Guru Nation, welcome to episode 528 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I uh, answer some frequently asked questions from a prospective site owner with Chris Sauber. This one is an instant classic. It's going to go on our blog, theclinicaltrialsguru.com. It's going to actually go on the, our opening a clinic uh, tab because it's so important. It's basically the majority of FAQs or some of the FAQs we receive that are probably most common FAQs uh, all about site ownership. So let me know what you think. If you need help starting your site or getting studies for your site and everything else that goes with it, just send me a text 949-415-6256 and we can discuss further steps. I have a consulting company which helps sites do this. Um, also in the show notes, check out the CRA Academy, CRC Academy, links are in the show notes. Check out the YouTube premium link for $10 a month. You get YouTube exclusive videos uh, just for the YouTube members. You get early access to videos and you get an exclusive once a month Zoom call uh, with all the other YouTube members every month. So check those out. Let me know what you think about this episode and we'll catch you later. Bye-bye. Hey Guru Nation, welcome back to another episode. Microphone check, one, two, don't worry. Sarmonic got you covered. This is a great gift I got uh, from my wife actually to do these kind of videos, to do out in the wild videos. Sarmonic? Sarmonic, this is the brand. Saramonic? No, no, uh, Saramonic, yeah, sorry. They're not official sponsor, obviously. Uh, we've got special guest who will never be revealed. He's actually holding the camera. It might be a she, he or she. We don't know. We don't even want to tell that much. Right? We're in LA. It may not be either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Different podcast. But we can't reveal who this person is. But they, you like that pronoun? There we go. That's how they it's supposed to be done. want to start a site. They have been working at a site for years. And that's about as much as I want to share. But uh, they have questions. And they're going to ask us. Yes, they do. And we're going to answer because we think that other people might have these same questions. And this is someone who did CRA Academy and decided to want to be a site owner. And we've had every class at least one or two that go oh, yeah, that route. At least. At least, right? Yeah. Chris agrees with me. So, what's the questions, uh, individual that shall be nameless? Okay, so I'm gonna repeat it. So, what's your advice for anyone who wants to start a clinical research site? Chris first. Well, there's steps, right? So, I don't know if it's advice, but there's certainly steps to follow. Um, well, I guess the advice would be make sure you're positioned so where you can either you have a, you're either set up in such a way that you can do this, you have the time, and can continue earning a revenue elsewhere, or you're set up in such a way that you can do without revenue for an extended period of time. That would be my advice. But then there's steps. Um, the first step is, of course, getting a PI, right? and then making arrangements with that PI on how this is going to work. Um, are you going to work out of their facility? Are you gonna rent a facility? Um, and again, getting back to advice, 
the optimal way is to start within their facility because you have you have a database within that facility so if the if the physician is a is working within a private practice or a practice of some sort in which you are allowed to start up your research site that's beneficial so you have a database built in and it also eliminates expenses um, and then from there obviously once you have that arrangement um, and you have everything all the specifics worked out with the doctor um, then it's just a matter of getting a study my advice I'm gonna go high level have at least a year of your living expenses saved um, it could take between 9 to 12 months to start generating revenue and then related to that is try to learn as much as you can ideally you're a study coordinator already um, if you're a CRA be careful if you don't have any study coordinator experience because you're not guaranteed to do well as a site owner just because you were a CRA you're more likely to do well if you were a CRC than a CRA so have enough in savings to survive for yourself even if you're doing what Chris what Chris said and going into the doctor's office which is by the way what we're doing in Arizona mm -hmm. right uh, so save save your own money for like your own expenses to to get you through those 9 to 12 months because it's gonna be really slow going at first but then it definitely picks up later if you hang around long enough so let's just delve in real quick in the best case scenario right so you're saying 9 to 12 months and I think why you're saying that is because best case scenario let's say the day one you open the door we're open for business you're awarded the study you're still not going to see your first check from the sponsor for a minimum of six months. So, and why that is, is because you have to screen a patient, you have to enroll a patient, that patient has to be monitored, and then a check has to be cut. And it's on a cycle typically with a sponsor. So you have to be on the billing cycle, right? So you're looking at a minimum of six months there. So, and that's if you're awarded a study day one that you open the door, and that's not going to happen to anybody, right? <laughs> So yeah. that's why you're saying nine to 12 months, right? Yep, exactly. That's the advice. We got the tactical advice and then the higher level advice to cover all bases. Uh, question asker who shall be nameless. They, what's, what's singular of they? I don't know. <laughs> got me there. <laughs> Thankfully, that's not a question. I love it. So let me repeat. What are the best therapeutic indications to get started in? So for your physician, for your PI? Yes. Okay. You first. Me first. You, you always first, because I got to you know, translate the question okay. and okay. the mic. So, you know, there's a variable to that question. So it, de it depends on where the research community is at the time. Um, at one time, it may be this specialty and another time it could be this specialty so I don't want to answer it in that I would say I would say general practitioner just overall um, just because it opens you up to the most studies now there's there's a catch to that though you want to if you're gonna go the route of general practitioner in my opinion optimally you want a general practitioner that's well connected had a lot has lots of colleagues that he could use as sub eye right because most sponsors will award a general practitioner any study 
but many of them require a specialist within the field, right? So let's just take, for example, uh, pulmonology is really hot right now because of COVID. So yes, a general practitioner could be awarded many of those studies, but they're gonna oftentimes wanna see a pulmonologist as sub-investigator. So that's what you're looking at, I, I would say in general. Now, if you're just talking right now today, and what's today, January 28th? June. June 28th, sorry. <laughs> I, I knew that, I, that's schizophrenic. Yeah. <laughs> June 28th, 28th right? 2021, okay. for those watching in the future. Right, so uh, if, you're, if you're talking today, I would say gastro, psych, pulmonology, probably, uh, probably those three, if you're talking today, right? But that could change two years yes. from now. That can change, and just to add on, I agree. Family practice, internal medicine, general medicine. You can pick a specialty, they make more money, but the general medicine is more consistent because no matter the, the cycles, you can qualify for all those studies as a family practice doctor. So I echo what Chris said. Another thing you wanna have in your back pocket is community-based oncologists. So an they're hard to find, but if you can find an oncologist that's not affiliated with a big hospital that has his or her own private practice, you're always going to find oncology studies. You'll always be in demand because like 50% of all trials all the time are oncology. Very difficult to get started with an oncology study yes. if, if your staff has very little or no experience in oh, research. Yeah. Do yeah. not start with oncology. Don't start or learn. learn. Do the CRA Academy. Because in the CRA Academy, the internship is oncology. So, yeah. wow, you know, what an opportunity that is. Uh, I always sneak in an ad. There's this the is ad. a real ad. Sponsored <laughs> by CRA Academy. Next question, Qu um, a viewer who asks many. <laughs> the asker of many questions. <laughs> so the next question is, what are the potential partnership arrangements slash business arrangements that a site owner can have with a PI or just a provider, like a nurse practitioner, PA, or should they do it at all? As always, Chris Haber first. So that, that's probably the most complicated question you've asked thus far. <laughs> um, we go, we could go deep. So, I, yeah, you absolutely can go deep. We did a webinar on this one, and if you go on the clinicaltrailsguru.com and you click on start your own clinic, you will see, uh, scroll down the page, maybe one-fourth down, various business models and clinical research, and click on that. It's like an hour on this, but just give them a cliff note. Sure. Well, I don't know if I'm gonna agree necessarily with what we said on that video. It doesn't matter. But, but I would say, sitting here today, that I think you make the arrangements that you have to make with your PI. Right, so maybe let's say you're in conversations with a potential PI, and they won't do it unless you partner with them. Um, I think if that's the person you want to get started with, you do what you have to do, right? Um, I think in the best case scenario, though, you want to work with the PI for a little while, because once you partner with somebody, you're married to them. It's real nasty to get unpartnered with anybody, so. You should be relatively certain that you want to partner with them in terms of owning the business together. Yeah. Um, but again, I think if this is somebody you're fairly sure that you're going to be happy working with and they'll only do it if you partner with them, 
that's something to consider. Again, though, best case scenario, you, you want to work with them a while before you make that decision. Yeah, absolutely agree. We're doing the same exact thing in Arizona. Um, we partnered with a nurse practitioner only because he is a family friend of my wife. So I can, even though I didn't know him, the family knows him, so I trust him already. They vouch for him. So we give him 25% equity. Yep. And he's an NP, and in Arizona, NPs can actually have their own private practice and all that. So there's a lot of upside with him. The PI is a really good PI that we worked with, and I already know he wants ownership because we kind of discussed this. But we told him, let's start out as independent contractor with you first because we don't know you, you don't know us. What if we don't like each other for the same reasons Chris mentioned? Let's give it like six months at least. If we're working well together and we're doing well, we're going to bring you on as a partner. We'll probably give him 25% and then it'll be 50 us, 25 the NP, 25 the PI. I think that makes sense. You probably don't need both of them, the NP and the PI. But in our case, it works anyways, but you could probably get away with just partnering with one of them. Cause really what you need is the patients and the clinician to, uh, to kind of have the oversight. So we're probably overkilling it a little, but that's, that's the way we did it. There's no right way. You, you gotta use your gut, which we learned today is your second brain from Dr. Al, right. and on Wednesday, you're gonna learn from Dr. Hazen, microbiome specialist. Use your gut, trust your gut, but never partner with someone when you don't know them as a business partner. Always start out independent contractor, always. Unless, like I said, I think if you're in a situation where they're forcing your hand and you have to make the decision, either you're partnering with them or you're not having me as a PI. Yeah. If everything else is set up perfectly for you, that's something to consider, at least in my opinion. If you've exhausted all other options and you can't find another PI. And it's yes. a private practice where you're not paying expenses. That's a huge, I don't know if that was in the first question. It was. Okay, private practice, a must, absolutely. Right, so if you had to partner with this person, I would consider that, right? Even though you have no other information about them. Maybe really difficult to work with, you'll find out down the road. But, you know, it might be worth it to have that private practice, no expenses, built-in database. Yeah. Ooh. How do you get a physician to be interested in clinical research? Um, I would say, number one, you can't force it. But if they're research, if they're research naive... Well, nice stop. Yeah, that's a good car. <laughs> if you're research naive... If they're research naive, chances are they don't know much of our research, obviously, other than what they've heard. So you have to educate them about their responsibilities. I wouldn't start with the details. What's a 1572? What's a source doc? I don't oh, think they're not. even concerned with this stuff. They need to know what's their responsibility, right? And then you can introduce the 1572, that's your contract with the FDA, but there's this position called study coordinator that runs the study for you. We handle all the source and regulatory. You can like lightly introduce those things. Um, what we did, I mean, shameless plug again, I throw in the ads every time. Our book, The Comprehensive Guide to Clinical Research, now in paperback and card. audiobook. Great business card. It's a great business card. We gave it to clinicians in the community 
and that educates them you know so I would say start with their responsibilities start with how you're gonna make their life easier because the first thing they ask you is well if I have the patients and I'm the doctor so I have all the oversight responsibilities and I have the office and I have all this why do I need you mm-hmm. and this is where you throw in the stat 80% of physicians who do their first study never do a second one because they drop the ball because it's a lot of work this is where you can go start going more in depth with them that's how you get them interested obviously it's not passive income for them but it's as close to earning additional revenue as they can without changing their life very much you want them to continue being a physician so they can keep seeing the patients and servicing the patients so you can enroll more of their patients in your studies you don't want their schedule to change you just want to bring on an additional revenue stream and maybe having them do a couple hours extra work every week at most that's the way i present it that's the way i just did present it Mm -hmm. on friday i just did this pitch three days ago in arizona it went well it went from a 10 minute meeting to hour and a half so that's the stuff they care about for the most part. Chris will so follow up. I, I can't disagree with any of that, but I would add um, that I don't think you're going to convince most physicians to do research. So if they, have, if they know nothing of research and, and they're unfamiliar with you, right? No introduction, most of them you're not gonna convince to do research. So a, a pivotal point there is to have some sort of intermediary connection an introduction of sorts, right? So they'll at least listen to you, right? Uh, if you you have a mutual acquaintance or a mutual friend or somebody that can introduce you, right? They'll give you a little bit more of a, a genuine listen to what you have to say. If you're just making a sales pitch, a cold sales pitch to a physician to be a PI, vast majority are just gonna reject you. So it's best if you have something that's familiar between the two of you. Uh, does that make sense? Am I making it clear? Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's good. Okay, every, this is perfect because every question we get to do a shameless plug. The <laughs> best way is to text me right now, 949-415-6256, only if you're serious. We charge 1300 a month and we help get studies and do a bunch of other stuff included in that fee monthly contract you're not tied into any long-term thing text me we won't waste your time if you don't waste ours now the free route clinicaltrials.gov that's how you got to do it clinicaltrials.gov search for the indications that you want active studies or not yet recruiting studies and email everyone that's not a university or a hospital email a hundred a week if you can you won't go more than a month at that pace of not getting a few feasibility questionnaires and if you hire us we do this for you it's a lot of work a lot of follow-up we do it for you that's the best way i would say number two if you are like a crc or a CRA and you already have industry connections, I would tap into your industry connections. Those are the best two ways, in my opinion. 
I have nothing to add to that. I mean, legitimately, there's nothing you can't add. Three options. Work with us. You can do all three at the same time. Work yeah, with us. Matter of fact, it's, you'll, you'll be more successful if you do all three. There you go. The more, the more hands you have in business development, the more likely you are to accrue studies quickly. And as you get established, you start going to conferences, then you start networking in person, then you, you know, there's other things you can do, network with other sites. But when you're starting out, those three things, because I know you, person, you're just going to be starting out. So that's, that's what you do. And, once you're and you could start now. You don't need a PI yet. Start now. Just see what kind of response you get from the marketplace. Do 100 a week and count how many responses you get. Five. You, you'll be lucky you get five out of the 100. And from my experience, you send 100 a week, you'll get 10 replies. Mm, it's less, I think. Five will say they're not interested. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Five will say, give me more info. And then from those five, maybe one or two, you'll get a feasibility. And I would, the only thing I would add to that, nothing to do with original, originally getting studies, but it becomes easier the more established you become. Yes. They become, you start getting studies very passively. Yes. They repeat business. Yes. Sponsors come back to you, hey, are you interested in this potential study? Your problems change as your clinic evolves. Your initial problems are gonna be cash flow and getting the studies. After about three studies, your problems are gonna be maintaining coordinator, um, coordinator, uh, I don't know what the word is. Basically, so you're keep, gonna have to keep motivate them, right? Right, keeping your coordinator happy and keeping them on board and making sure they're doing as they should be doing. Right, and then as you grow and get more studies, your problem's gonna be finding new coordinators because your problem is not going to be getting studies at that point. It's going to be keeping the staff, keeping retaining them. And also, the problem is always going to be the patients. Yeah, always going to be the patients. So those are going to be your main problems. When you're starting out, your problem is going to be finding that study and getting that first well, revenue. Getting PI, that's your first problem. Well, yeah, that's the, true. That's the first one. Then it's going to be making revenue. Then it's going to be making a profit. Then yep. it's going to be keeping your staff motivated. And then it's going to be... How do we be consistent? Well, How do we keep consistent. bringing patients into our studies? Because if you keep getting studies, you're gonna start running out of patients. Right? Yeah, absolutely. How do you negotiate a budget and contract? Two ways. You can learn by trial and error. You can watch some of our webinars. We have webinars on this. You need to find the standard of care costs, the reimbursement rates from Medicare for various assessments in your therapeutic indication, and then probably add a premium on it, right, for research. Mm -hmm. And you can, if they're willing, network with other sites to see what they're negotiating, but you gotta have to like develop a relationship with those sites before they're yeah, willing no. to do that. Yeah, uh, if you're starting out, you're not going to have that relationship. You might not, but maybe you know someone who has sure. a site also. Sure. You know, site owners talk, but I find that even site owners that know each other don't share those kind of things. For the most part, for no. the most part. So you're going to have to learn like we did. I mean, I don't think I taught you how to do it, but uh, I was doing budgets before you. Trial and error. You it's, learned by trial and error it's too. Trial right? and error. That's how you'd learn, trial and error. Yeah. And trust me, you're going to err more err than than succeed initially. Yeah. You're gonna leave a lot of money on the table initially. Yep. Um, 
Really, I, again, getting back to Dan's shameless plug thing. Um, it pays it be, for itself. It behooves you to, to work with somebody who negotiates budgets and contracts because if you get one study in the first year, the difference between what you as a new site owner would negotiate and an experienced budget negotiator will negotiate will more than pay what you paid them for yeah. the year. Lee, Easily. Lee, one of our clients, um, gave us that shout out in a clubhouse because somebody else was asking about our services. He said, look, they just negotiate one study for you and they you paid for your service for the year. Yeah, more than, more than. Yeah. So there's really no other way around it. And you know what, it, if you review enough budgets, eventually you understand, because you, at least the way we do it, you'll see the initial budget and the final budget. You're not gonna see the budgets in between. But you know, you get three or four of those, you can tell what's happening, right? Between what they're initially offering and what you're winding up with, you can see how it's working. So three or four times, you're, you can do it on your own if you really want to. What a great pod. Any more questions? Uh, well, there was something I wanted to add, but now I don't oh, remember Chris, what it was. Chris got more. No, there was something I wanted to add to what you said, but now I can't remember what it was at the beginning. So. Man, you guys are going to have to wait for part two <laughs> when the holder of the camera will be on camera. See, all he's got to do is flip that thing around, show his identity. Hey, but can show, can show what day looks like. Not yet. We gotta wait till he or she gets their first they. study. They get their first study. There you go. Any more questions? Don't want to reveal yourself? Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Gave you the chance. Next time. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. And uh, good luck to all you future site owners out there. Let me know how you're doing. Bye bye. <laughs>